Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. episode 92, How College is Different from High School. One of the things high school can never really prepare you for is college. And this isn't because you aren't smart or haven't earned good grades in high school or haven't been a great high school student, but because the culture of high school and the culture of college are completely different from each other. And almost nothing you learned in high school apart from the course content translates to your college experience. In this episode, Denor and I are going to talk about five main ways college is different from high school. We'll suggest some ways to prepare for the differences if you're a student heading there soon, and we'll talk about some ways teachers in high school can help their students be more college ready. We'll also have some suggestions for college teachers who teach first-year students, both to help the incoming first-years adjust to the demands of college, as well as recognizing just how different students' high school experience really was from theirs. The first way college is different from high school is time management. This is probably the biggest, scariest difference for incoming first-year students in college. You're now responsible for being on time, being in class, and keeping track of what's due and when it's due in every class you take. Unlike high school, where a bell tells you it's time to go to your next class, you're now responsible for being on time and in class with no bells to alert you. And although there may be financial aid consequences if you don't show up to class, college teachers are rarely required to do anything beyond a quick sign-in sheet for attendance. Also, unlike high school, nobody's going to remind you that there's a test in two weeks. You've been given a syllabus, which has a list of every assignment and every due date. And you're expected to use that to keep track of what you have to do and when it has to be done. And a hint here, don't ever see due date and think due on this date. You need to give yourself enough time to do the assignment correctly, not half-assed or slapdash. That may have worked in high school, but it's not going to fly in college. Finally, there's also a good chance you will not be allowed to turn things in past their due date once you get to college. Allowing students to do this may be common in high school today, but in college, due dates matter. Pay attention to them. You might put off the work because you think you can always do it later, except you can't do it later. Due dates come faster than you think, and work takes a certain amount of time, not just effort or panic, to produce a quality end result. You're not going to be graded on your effort in college. You do get graded on the quality of the work you produce. And this is the same as the real world. Your boss won't care that you spent 20 hours on a report if the report is badly formatted, makes no sense, is full of spelling and grammar problems, and rambles on without getting to the point. Why should your teacher care that you spent 20 hours on your research paper if it has the same problems? Those problems are also inevitably tied up with procrastination, which is the huge time management issue that I see in students and in clients all the time. You can't produce quality work the night before it's due and you can't learn an entire semester's course information in one cram session before the exam. So you have to learn to stop procrastinating. Taking charge of your schedule will usually help with this. That leads us to the second way college is different from high school, 
being in class matters, but you usually don't get any grade credit just for having your butt in the seat. Being in class matters because of the lectures you'll hear and the discussions you'll have, as well as the group work you might do during a class meeting. These make it more possible for you to learn the material beyond just cramming it in for a test, and that's one of the goals of college, to go deeper than memorization. If you're not in class, the consequences will be the natural ones. You missed a class, which means you missed a lecture, an activity, a discussion, or maybe all three, and now you're behind. That's not your professor's problem, though. It's yours and only yours. Don't expect the professor to send you extra work or catch you up on what you missed. That's your job now. And never email a college teacher saying anything like, I missed class on Tuesday, did we do anything important? That's a great way to make sure you're remembered as irresponsible, which will kill your chances of getting a letter of recommendation. And this brings us to the third way that college is different from high school, grades. Many first years focus on the grade because it gives you a sense of accomplishment and you've always done that in high school. You focus on the grade, the grade, the grade. Research has shown that this is the worst thing you can do if you wanna be a straight A student or even a good student. You must take your focus off the grade and put it on the work instead. Otherwise, you'll be so distracted by the grade that you won't do the work you need to earn the grade you're aiming for. Pull your focus to the quality of your work. Another thing about grades is that in college, a B is an excellent grade. For many students coming out of high school, this is confusing or perhaps mind-blowing. Yes, there are good grades that aren't an A. Our episode 21 is all about what grades mean in college, so go give that a listen if you don't believe me. Finally, although grades are important, they are no longer the only goal. Your job is to make connections with people, your professors especially. We've talked about this in other episodes, but in college, you want to make sure your professors remember you for the right reasons. Because if you're planning on school after you finish your bachelor's degree, you'll need their letters of recommendation. And this means, again, focusing not just on the grade you want, but on the quality of the work you're turning in. You're going to be graded not just on whether you turned something in, but how well you did on the work you turned in. That means you should avoid asking professors questions like, will you review my paper? I think I deserve a higher grade on this than you gave me. Did I miss anything important when I didn't come to class the other day? Can you send me your lecture notes in email? Can you read over my paper before I turn it in? Can you email me a list of everything I need to do for this assignment? Adam and I cannot stress this enough. Do not ask these questions. They tell the professor you haven't made the shift from what your high school teachers did to what college teachers do and don't do. College teachers in general will not send you their lecture notes or review a class you missed with you. You're expected to get that information from your classmates. Get copies of their notes, for example, and from the book. College teachers don't look at your assignments before they're graded unless that's part of how the assignment is structured. And it's your job to keep track of what you need to do for assignments. And that information is in the syllabus. Don't ask your teacher for a list of things you have to do. They've already given it to you in the first week of class. 
Now, the fourth way college is different from high school is your goal is to learn, not just to memorize a bunch of facts and words and terms and concepts anymore. Now it's learning how to apply those things to real world problems. And many questions on college exams are going to be about application, not just memorization. Can you take concept A, add it to concept B, and answer the question, which was not covered explicitly in class? Can you take concept A and reformulate it to cover the question asked in a different way than was covered explicitly in class? For example, if you're taking a statistics class, you need to know how to calculate a percentage. And the formula for a percentage is N1 divided by N equals percentage. N stands for number of cases and N1 stands for number in the group. So you take the number in the group, divide it by the number of cases, and you have the percentage. And I give my students this formula in the first week of classes. But once you know that formula, you should be able to also solve all of these questions without being walked through how to do it. For example, a college class has 145 students in it. 67% of the students are male. How many female students are in the class? Or a college class has 145 students in it. 97 of the students are male. What percentage of the class is female? Or a college class is 67% male, 33% female. The class has 97 male students. How many students are there in the class? Each of these questions uses the original equation, but slots in different values. For example, for the first question, you'd replace N with 145 and percentage with 67%. So your equation would be N1 divided by 145 equals 67%. You have to then solve the equation, so you end up with N1 on one side of the equation to solve for the number of female students. In the second question, you'd replace N with 145 and N1 with 97, then solve for the percentage of males. Once you know that, you'd also be able to solve for the percentage of females. When I gave variations on these questions in homework assignments one year, only a third of my students were able to solve them because they didn't move from memorization to application. This is unacceptable performance at the college level. So if your professors are asking questions they didn't give you in class, they're expecting you to perform at the college level and apply what you've learned. And in college, that's going to happen a lot. The last place where college is really different from high school is learning is now almost completely your job, not your teacher's. I responded to someone on Quora recently who complained that it felt like they had to cover 85% of the topic by themselves and that the lecturer wasn't really teaching the topic in depth. That's a quote. They felt this was not fair, and I knew immediately that they were a recent high school graduate. I responded to that question, and here's what I said. That's because you do need to cover 85% of the topic by yourself. In a typical semester system, at least in the United States, a three-credit hour or three-unit class means three hours in the class, six hours outside of the class each week. And those six hours each week are the time you must spend reading the textbook and other readings, watching the assigned videos or listening to the assigned podcasts, making notes on all of it, and getting really familiar with the material. And that's not the lecturer's job. That's yours. That's what being a college student means. Our job is either to give you an overview of the topic in lecture or to spend time on a specific piece of information in the lecture. Your job is to make sure you've read the materials we assign 
because you will be tested on it, and there's a good chance we won't go over it in class beforehand. Part of this is because unlike high school, college classes don't meet every day. They meet two, occasionally three times per week for an hour or so, compared to five times a week in high school classes. High school gives teachers more time to go over material in class. In college, it's expected that students will go over it themselves on their own time. So that's five ways college is very different from high school. There are other ways it's different beyond these. There are no bathroom passes anymore. Just leave class and come back quietly if you need to use the restroom. You have to buy your own textbooks now. And of course, there's the whole thing about dorm life if you live on campus. But when it comes to expectations and cultural norms, those are five of the big ones. Now, when it comes to our experiences with it, at this point, Denor and I are both going to talk about how it feels to be the professor on this side of the equation. Teaching first years is one of the most rewarding and one of the most frustrating things that I do every semester. And it's especially tough when it's in the fall because first years in the fall generally have no college chops yet, but they're still expected to just know everything about how to do what college expects. Now, I try to mitigate this by giving student success workshops as my main lessons during the first couple weeks of class because orientation, that's never enough to get the norms across. At best, students learn where all the buildings on campus are and where the dorm is. But the norms of you're responsible for your own time now and keeping track of everything on your own and there won't be any reminders and you won't get to turn things in late anymore unless there's a valid reason like illness – None of that gets really communicated in any meaningful way, and so my students largely have to learn it through the honorable path of making horrible mistakes. I tell my coaching clients' parents most students' GPAs will drop, and sometimes they will tank in the first year of college, and that's normal because the student is dealing with a new set of norms and standards and a new culture that are as different from high school as Spain is from Los Angeles. And like every episode of Culture Shock, it's a shock to the system, and it takes some time to adjust. Teaching first-year students is one of my tougher challenges, both because of the newness of college for my students, and most introductory classes don't get to deep dive into topics. Instead, a lot of the intro classes kind of go through a book chapter by chapter. Frankly, I prefer to do deep dives. Because of that, I've changed how I teach intro to allow for this. Most of the first-year students that I've taught have handled my classes pretty well, but there comes a time in the middle or toward the end of the semester when they're going to start slacking. And I'm aware of this because I start getting really panicky emails for extra credit opportunities above what I already offer my students. I take these emails as an opportunity to try and get my students back on track. Now, there might be penalties for missing work or for late work, but I'll still work with my students on teaching them how to manage their time and their energy a little bit more effectively so that their grade doesn't completely tank. So students, this is how you can use this stuff. And we're gonna actually talk to students, high school teachers, and then professors, three different groups today. So students be aware going in that nothing in college is going to be like it was in high school. You may be very good at doing what high school expects, but you are going to be facing an entirely new set of expectations that are nothing like what you faced in high school. Invest time now in learning how to plan out your study time. Stick to a schedule. Keep on top of your work. High school doesn't instill those skills, so you need to do it yourself. Also, be realistic about things like grades. 
aim for a C plus to a B minus average in your classes during your first term. And recognize it is normal not to get straight A's when you start college straight out of high school. There are habits you haven't formed yet and skills you still don't have. It's going to take you some time to learn them and really get into the groove of what college demands. So be kind to yourself on the grade issue. How high school teachers can use this. We recognize your hands are often tied here. With standardized testing and teachers required to give every possible chance for a student to succeed, it's hard to train students for college level work. Most of my students tell me what they learned in high school was how to take standardized tests. Then they get to college and there are no standardized tests. It's all written work and application. So if you can, try to give your students some experience with essays that ask them to apply a topic to an issue or explain how to do something in their science course. If they can get some experience with it, it will help them a lot when they get to college. Also, please let your students know that a B is a great grade. Too many of them come into college sincerely believing that the A through F grade scale is A and anything else is an F. Praise them for getting grades between C and A and help them change their mindset about what grades are acceptable and what grades aren't. Now, college teachers, here's some ways you can use it too. Although some of you may have been in high school as little as nine years ago, things have changed drastically since you were in high school. High school these days, as Denor just mentioned, is focused entirely on passing numerous standardized tests. High school teachers, they aren't allowed a lot of creativity or flexibility in their classrooms these days. They're often required to give 50% as a grade for an assignment turned in blank. And they have to accept late work, sometimes right up until graduation day. That means their students are coming into college expecting things to be like that. And they're in for a really nasty shock when it isn't like that. When you get a class of first years or a class with first years in it, talk about your expectations with them. Outline what you expect them to be able to do. Come to class on time, manage their own homework schedule, remember when exams are, and show up ready for them. Talk about classroom behavior too. Yes, Adams had two or three first years ask her bathroom pass during week one every single fall semester. They're that conditioned. Remember that time management, which we all learned in high school back in the day, probably isn't something they're going to be super familiar with or good at, and their main study skill is probably cram and jam to pass the exam. Be willing to put some reminders on things like your learning management system, and maybe set up a text message reminder system on remind.com so they can get a few reminders to help them stay on track. I've told my students that the reason their high school teachers think college teachers are going to be mean and stern and give three exams in one paper is because that's how college was when their high school teachers were in college, but that could be anywhere from 10 to 40 years ago. College has changed a lot. In the same vein, their college professors remember their own high school preparation for college, but again, that was 10 to 40 years ago, and high school's changed a lot too. So it's confusing for students when they arrive on a college campus and it's nothing like what their high school teachers said it would be. It's equally frustrating for college teachers when students don't have what they, the teacher, consider basic skill sets that should have been learned during high school. But Denora and I are hoping that with these five main differences kind of pointed out and highlighted, all three groups can take a stab at learning how to transition from high school to college with, hopefully, a little less culture shock. So that's what we have for you in episode 92. If you're finding this podcast helpful, Please share it with your friends. 
We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help even more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're hosted on Blueberry.com. Also, we would really appreciate it if you wrote a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to join us next week for episode 93, when we'll talk about how to stay on track. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learningmadeeasier. And we look forward to seeing you next week.